Hey Peace Family, I'm John Huneman. If you've been joining us online lately, then you know we have a small army of people who are working hard to bring you online worship every single week. In order for our online ministry to continue, and for us to be able to continue live streaming both our traditional and contemporary worship services, we need your help. Learn how you can volunteer for Peace's audiovisual crew at peacekahana.org slash techteam. Okay, here's the sermon. Good morning. When I was in seminary, I had a professor that had an obsession with torturing his students by having them boil down of all things of God to as few a words as possible. Assignments were preach the gospel in seven words, describe the mission of the church in five words. It drove me crazy. But in hindsight, I have to admit that it does help you figure out exactly what it is you believe about God. So let me try it on you this morning. If you had to sum up what Jesus was about in one word, what would that one word be? I'm guessing some of you may have immediately thought love. Some of you may have thought up the word holy and thought of holy. Those of you who are good Lutherans, I'm sure maybe you'd make an argument for grace. And let me assure you all those answers are correct. God is many things and everything all at the same time. But for me, my answer to that question would have to be compassion. God is compassion. Our gospel this morning in Matthew 9, we read, Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in the synagogue, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. There's a story that Mark Allen Powell told that comes from his research. Dr. Powell was a New Testament professor at Trinity Seminary, but he was also an expert on the historical Jesus. He dug into who Jesus was and what he's known for as a historical figure, not just what's found in the Bible. And Dr. Powell told the story about how when Jesus would enter a town, He would throw a big banquet or a party for the prostitutes in that town. He would throw a party just for them and tell them how much God loved them and how special they were to God. See, with so many Roman soldiers being stationed in Israel at the time, there was a large demand for prostitutes. These prostitutes were young. We would consider them children in our society. The average age was around 12 to 14 years old. Very rarely would a prostitute live to see their 18th birthday. Many of these girls came from poor families. Often they were sold into prostitution by their fathers because they needed money to survive. These girls, much like the girls in our society who are trafficked, would live with shame and be outcasts. The Jewish culture would have considered them unclean and their families would have disowned them. And Jesus, being a religious teacher, he could have railed against their sin. He could have condoned their immorality for what they did. But Jesus chose not to do that. Instead, Jesus saw the person, not the profession. He was moved by the circumstances of their life and he did what he could to ease their pain. He celebrated them. He shared God's love for them and he treated them with dignity and with kindness. 
Over and over throughout the Gospels, we hear story after story of how Jesus would look not at the person's past, nor at their current life circumstances. Instead, he would see them as a lost child of God. He would understand what made them who they are, and he would look at their heart. And that made all the difference. Author and theologian Marcus Borg, in his book, Meeting Jesus Again for the First Time, says, for Jesus, compassion was the central quality of God and the central moral quality on a life centered in God. For Jesus, compassion was more than a feeling. It was how he viewed the world and his role in that world. So what about us? What's our take on compassion? What role does compassion play in our lives? And while I'm at it, let me ask, what role does compassion play in the life of Peace Lutheran Church? When Pastor Doug asked me to preach, he said, we're doing a sermon series on moving forward. How does peace move forward as a church? Where is God calling peace as a church? How does the partnership between praise and First English move forward? How do we grow as a church and take steps to better understand and be in a relationship with God? Just like there is more than one way to describe God, there is also more than one way to answer that question about how to move forward. That said, I also believe with my whole heart that whatever we do in the name of God has to begin and end with compassion. We have to lead with compassion if we truly want to move forward as the people of God. In Luke 6, Jesus tells us flat out that we are to be compassionate as God is compassionate. Now maybe you're thinking, I am compassionate. I give things to the poor. Peace has all kinds of ministries. Some would say, those, those ministries might be more like mercy ministries. And some would say that mercy and compassion are interchangeable. But actually, there's a slight difference between mercy and compassion. Mercy implies that the one showing compassion has the right to act otherwise. When our prayers and liturgies plead, Lord, have mercy, we are acknowledging that God doesn't have to show mercy. God could just judge us as guilty and leave it as that. But compassion is slightly different. Compassion has no power dynamic. And that slight shift in power dynamic makes all the difference when thinking about the type of ministry we want to do. Ministries that represent God. At First English, we serve a lot of people in need. If we were to think of those ministries as ministries of mercy, there's an underlying assumption, because how we define mercy, that we do those ministries, we who do those ministries have an upper hand. We think we don't really have to do them. And since we don't have to do them, those on the receiving end of those ministries should simply be grateful. We feel that way sometimes, don't we? 
Instead of always challenging ourselves to give of our best, give from our abundance that God desires us to give, we sometimes feel we can give our leftovers because people who are poor should be grateful for anything we give. I see it all the time. People donate clothes with stains and holes in them. They donate broken toys or the food that is about to expire from their cabinet or the food that they think they'll never eat. When we see a person in need like the, so many now that are standing on the overpasses begging, we often think, why don't they just get a job? Or we list all the things that must be wrong with them for them to end up begging. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not advocating for giving money to those begging. In fact, I'm not of the belief that money alone is the answer to really anything. I'm also not saying that there's anything wrong with showing mercy. If that's all we can muster, I'll take it. But if you truly want to move forward, one of the first moves we have to make is moving from mercy to compassion. Ministry done out of compassion is different because ministry done out of compassion looks at the whole person, looks at the whole situation, and seeks restoration in relationship. When Jesus healed or touched someone's life, it was always to restore them to their place in society. Today we heard Jesus that he looked at the crowd and he had compassion. It was his compassion that gave him eyes to see those in need. He saw more than just people who were sick and wanted healing. He thought beyond what he could just do, simply do for them. He looked at them with compassion and saw the why behind their need. He saw that they were harassed and helpless. He saw that they had lost their way in life. Jesus didn't just give them a Band-Aid, a quick meal, and a pat on the back. Instead, he took the time to really, truly see them. One of Jesus' best examples of compassion is found in the parable of the vineyard found in Matthew 20. Jesus tells the story of a landowner that goes out and hires workers. Early in the morning, he hires some of the workers and they agree upon a fair wage and he sends them off into the field. A few hours later, he goes back and he sees more workers in the marketplace looking for work, so he hires them also and sends out, them out into the field and tells them he'll pay them what is right. He then goes back three more times that day at noon and at three and at 5 p.m. and he hires more workers, again telling them he will pay what is fair. When the end of the day comes, he pays all the workers the same wage. And when we hear this story, how many of us immediately get our feathers ruffled? That story goes against everything most of us were raised to believe about what is fair. But do we ever stop to see the compassion in the landlord's action? That maybe there was a good reason some of those workers couldn't be there bright and early in the morning. None of them were lazy. They all instantly agreed to work. I started to see this story very differently a few years ago when I befriended a single mother of three children. One afternoon after Bible study, we were talking about just this parable. It had been our lesson for the day, and she had broken down during Bible study, and I was trying to figure out why. 
When I asked her why this story touched her heart so much, what it meant to her, she looked at me and she said, I bet that last worker had had a hell of a day. And I said, what do you mean? And she shared with me that she had, what she had heard in Jesus' words. She heard a story about a mother who woke up late. The power had gone off in the middle of the night and so her alarm hadn't gone off. Already running late, she had to get her son ready for school but he wasn't feeling good that morning. Trying to make her food stamps stretch a little, she had reheated some chicken the night before then given it to him and maybe that chicken should have gone in the trash instead. She gave him some Pepto-Bismol and let him go back to bed for a while and she called her boss and she said, I'm gonna be late, all the while knowing that she needed every hour of pay to make her bills. By the time her son started feeling better, it was almost noon, so she got him dressed and started the car only to realize she didn't have enough gas to get him to school and her to work and she had no money to buy gas. So it would have to be the bus that morning. She rode the bus 45 minutes to get her son to school and then rode it another hour and a half to get herself back to work. By the time she got there, she was down five hours of work. She would be short $50 that month, so she instantly started wondering what bill she would put off paying. The hole she kept trying to dig herself out of just got deeper. The landlord's compassion meant that she would be able to pay her bills that month without getting further behind. The landlord's compassion meant that she could put gas in her car. The landlord's compassion meant she could actually sleep that night instead of sitting up worrying and trying to figure out how to get herself out of the circumstances in which she found herself. Listening to my friend's version of this story, I could see why she was so moved by the landlord's compassion. It was her story. It was her hope. And therefore, Jesus' parable spoke to her in a way that I had never even pondered before. The way that that story never had spoken to me before I saw the story from her eyes. At First English, we talk a lot about the difference between knowing about something and knowing, actually knowing something from experience. It is compassion that moves us from knowing about something like the struggle of poverty or the effects of racism to actually knowing firsthand sharing in the reality of that struggle. Compassion is why we at First English do what we do. It is why we want to get 22nd Street Cookies finally up and running this year. We hope that the kids who come to 22nd Street Cookies and work with us can just get a little bit of extra support that might make all the difference. Compassion is why we started Entangle. It's our initiative on diversity. We believe strongly in diversity because we've seen how firsthand, how people from different backgrounds learn from each other and grow from each other and how it helps all parties involved. Compassion is why First English agreed to give Miriam Vargas sanctuary in our church. Everyone's always amazed how quickly we move to let her come and stay in our church. But see, compassion made it simple. 
See, we didn't think about what could go wrong. We didn't count the cost. We didn't think how it was about anything political or ask what she had done wrong. We simply asked ourselves, how would it feel if we were in Miriam's shoes? Colossians 3 tells us that we, as God's chosen people, are to clothe ourselves with compassion. The world gives us lots of reasons to harden our hearts. Selfishness, greed, self-centeredness, politics, security, good business practices, even our sense of fairness and our well-taught well sense of right and wrong can block compassion from forming in our hearts. As Christians, we are to let go of the ways of this world. Isaiah 55 says, God's ways are not my ways. Instead of letting the world harden our hearts, we are to focus and trust in God as we move into the future that God has in store for us. My prayer for you and for this congregation is that you open your hearts to see things anew through the eyes of compassion and that you will leave everything that might distract you from doing that behind, trusting that God sees us also, all of us, with eyes of compassion and is ready and able to meet our every need as we join him in bringing healing to a broken world. May God go with you as you begin this journey. Amen.